can you have an emotionally charged conversation that is still super productive? Try an emotionally charged conversation that's productive in front of a live audience. (laughs) I haven't seen it done well very often, which leaves a lot of really good people either completely silent about the things they're passionate about or really frustrated because they're not able to express themselves in a way that people can hear them. Now, if you're new around here, we're here to empower the helpers in this world, therapists, coaches, educators to use their voice online, specifically in business and building a brand that changes the world. And part of that is not tiptoeing around things that you genuinely believe and advocate for. But there's also, I feel like a A balance there where we have an invitation and an opportunity as leaders to figure out how to do that in a very human way that respects the people around us. Now, today I have on two guests who I witnessed do this incredibly well on an Instagram live. I was running on a treadmill at the gym. I watched these two women who were on seemingly opposing sides say some very, very tough things to each other, but did it in such a beautiful, kind, empathetic, and radical, let's just say radical way. I asked them both to come on, Lindsay Blunt and Jenna Jaffe, to share with us how we as leaders in the online space can step up, use our voice, but also be teachable. I run three businesses and I have two young kids. I'm a lawyer by trade. So I have my own practice. I do influencing work on my social media. And then my main um, business is I run an organization for LGBTQ plus individuals to help start, grow and protect their families with legal and fertility resources. So that's really my passion project, what I do the most and what I focus on. And so part of what I you know, what I talk about is how I grew my family. And, you know, my wife and I went through reciprocal IVF. So it was her eggs and I carried and we used donor sperm. I'm the non-genetic parent, even though I carried my kids. So for ever since, you know, we started this process, I've always said like, a donor is not a parent. DNA doesn't matter. Like Mm -hmm. you are like, that doesn't make you a parent. A few weeks ago, I posted this on my business Facebook, Instagram. And I said, a donor is not a parent. And um, swarms of people came (laughs) to tell me otherwise. The donor conceived community came and they were like, this is wrong. Um, A lot of us do view them as biological parents, a biological father, biological mother, DNA. This is half of us. Like by saying DNA is irrelevant, you are dismissing half of who we are. And it was, it was hard. It was a lot. I, I, I spiraled a little bit and, um, I was on vacation with my family and I was like depressed that day. I was like crying and I'm, I, I, I took some time to step back. At first I started getting defensive and then saying, you know, commenting to people. And then I took a step back and I don't know what it was or, or what, how you said it, Lindsay, but Lindsay commented in a way that allowed me to really hear it mm. and hear what they were saying and hear where these people were coming from. And saying that, like, listen to us, we are your children, like we are donor conceived, hear it from that way, instead of defensive as a parent. And it sparked this beautiful communication and friendship. And it's, it's hard. It's really hard work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said, she said it in a way that I could hear it. What lessons have we pulled from that, Lindsay or Jenna, about like high charged emotions and opinions and stuff? 
I mean, first of all, we're all human, so it's never going to be perfect, right? But figuring out how do we like feel very strongly about stuff, but also think about the way the other person is hearing it. I mean, that's tricky. Just to give a little bit of a background. So the donor conception world has basically three triads, if, if you will. There's the recipient parents who we shorten it to RPs. There's the donor conceived people, DCPs, and then there's the donors, right? So there's there's three individuals coming, well, three individuals at the table, basically. Um, there's a lot of Facebook groups and, and Instagram areas where the RPs, the recipient parents and the donor conceived people don't always get along. And it's right. because we're we're both so passionate about where we stand, right? And we both want our we both want our messages to come across, but they just clash. So a lot of donor conceived people, and I just want to start with the caveat: I do not speak for all donor conceived people. The majority feel the way that I do, but there, there, it runs the gamut. No pun intended on on mm-hmm. donor conception. Um, but we're the ones that are speaking and advocating are saying we were raised by recipient parents and they did the best they could in the seventies and eighties with what the information they had, but they didn't have this first generation of donor conceived adults saying, you know, not, ha- not having access to half of who you are is a, pro- is a, is a problem for some of us. It it's sparks trauma or identity disruptions and that hurts. And here's a better way that you can do it. But on the other side, recipient parents are hearing, you're just going to screw your kids up. You chose it and now you're going to screw them up. So it's rare for a donor conceived person, a recipient parent to come together and say, let's put our swords down and let's right. just talk. Rare. I don't know that it's ever happened, to be quite honest. I will say, Jen and I are sort of starting a revolution. Um, we, since our, yeah, since our <laughs> unintentionally, little, unintentionally. Always, it always works like that. Though. Well, and what's crazy is, when we first started messaging each other, we were sending voice messages back and forth, back and forth. And, mm. and we, in the last three weeks of walked through a lot, we both had to put our tail between our legs and we both had to really just say, I'm going to listen to you and I'm, and I'm not going to take offense to it. Cause it's so hard to do, which that, takes right? a lot. It's a lot. And I'm learning as a DCP that I have a lot to learn from an RP. I there's, I put this in one of my posters, like tiny fractures that happen in infertility or tiny fractures that happen for LGBTQ plus that, that need to use a donor to have a child. And, and Jenna can speak on this um, in a little bit, but their rights are taken away Mm -hmm. um, just by being on birth certificates. And Jenna can talk about that. And then on the other side, DCP rights are taken away of having access to their biological family and identity. So all these tiny fractures just create this like <laughs> massive earthquake, basically, right. um, that sort of happened in the industry. And so Jen and I are trying to come together to make it more ethical, more supportive. Um, Jen, I'll let you pick up on what it's... Well, about. can you share, Lindsay, your background a little bit of how yeah. you uh, found Jenna? Yeah. So I'm on these Facebook pages, right? I'm, I'm donor-conceived. Um, I found out when I was 13, but really it was confirmed when I took a DNA test in 2020. Um, I've got 22 siblings, probably about, we probably have hundreds. Um, My biological father had a hand in creating the industry. Um, I can't say who he is, but he is very prominent in his field. Um, And I don't, it's not lost on me that he is my biological father. Um, So I've been really trying to, I've become sort of an advocate for, Mm. to make this industry more ethical. And by saying ethical, I mean, just allowing people to have access to their biological family and medical records, lifelong medical records. And I can go on and on about those things. So I was on a Facebook page and somebody had shared out 
Jenna's IG post in like a donor can see Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, go comment. <laughs> it's like, release the mob. Yeah. <laughs> and we release the mob. And Jenna, and it's funny because now ever since we've had this friendship and I've been able to see the other side of it, because there is another side of this right. point. Um, where I always believed I have nothing to learn from a recipient parent. They have to learn from me. And I had to swallow a whole bunch of pride and say, I have been wrong for the last 16 months in this journey of being donor conceived that I have a lot to learn from recipient parents. And it's changed the way that I'm treating my mom now because she's a recipient parent, right? Mm-hmm. So It's, I want to cry thinking about it. There's so many freaking industries and there's so many different messages and passionate people in this world with their, with their, with their own story. What I saw with with the both of you is that you can be highly passionate about something and also to be teachable and empathetic. And I don't know who taught the both of you how to do that. I don't know if that's conscious choice, but I'm like, man, if I could wrap that up and figure out what it took for the both of them, no, really, to have that conversation where us as the viewers could walk away empowered, you know, full of not- a lot more knowledge than we had. Um, and also to seeing two human beings respect each other on opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is with this, but holding space for my passion. This is my story. I'm, it's emotionally charged. I'm passionate about it. And also too, on the other end, not letting that passion and those emotions lead to offense where you can kind of stay level headed. Yo, help me out here. Cause I know there's a lot of people listening who have their own thing and we want to make change in this world. We want to, but navigating that it's difficult. What have y'all learned over the past couple of weeks? Oh my God. It has been... <laughs> I know <laughs> it's been intense. Um, it's been really insane. And I think that for me, I think there's a piece of, you need to be ready. You know, like you can't force someone to, to hear something that they're not ready to hear. For the past several years, I've ignored a lot of issues and, and things and that donor conceived people have said, because I just, I was like, well, I'm always going to be open with my children that they were donor conceived. There's two moms. Of course we used donor. I thought that was the end of it. I thought that was fine. And when our kids turned 18, they could go and find him and, you know, but I think that I put myself in the shoes of my children, I had to take myself out of myself. I had to put myself in the shoes of my children and say, if I were them, what would I want? What would I want? What would I want to know? What would I want to hear? And Lindsay and others could speak to that. Mm. And so I think I finally, enough people came at me, not all pleasant <laughs> to the point yeah. where it's like, you know, that some people it's, it's not the way in which it's, and this is no judgment. I've been there. I've done it. But when you attack someone and basically shame them, they're not going to hear you. They're not. It's just, you know, um, and so I don't, I don't know what it was. I, I should really go back and just read through all the things, Lindsay. Um, it took me a step back and I think I saw pain. Mm. I think it was, I saw pain in you that the trauma and the things that you experienced allowed me as mom to feel. Then I said, oh my goodness, these people are advocating for my children. They're not advocating for themselves. They're already adults. They're already grown up. Like it already happened. They don't want the same thing to repeat. They don't want future donor conceived people to suffer the way that they did. And I was like, holy crap, this is the most selfless thing ever that people are doing. I should be, I should be listening and shut my mouth. Wow. I think too, there are so many powerful women 
out there right now, um, very famous speakers out there right now that are trying to teach us this. And like, I'm thinking like Brene Brown and being very vulnerable. Interestingly, I was like watching Brene Brown that week. <laughs> so I was like trying to be, teach myself that being vulnerable is very powerful. And I will say, Jen and I are, we've gotten very vulnerable with, like, I'll say something to her sometimes that said, and I'll say, this is going to come out awful. And please don't take offense to this, but I need to work this through. And to get vulnerable to say, I'm going to sound ugly right now. And I just need you to hold the space and not judge me for it and just let me work through it. And I think there's so much power in being vulnerable. I think as women, we're so taught that we should we should um, be tough and powerful, especially if you're working in like a man's industry, that's hard to do. Being vulnerable and putting your sword down and just saying, I see your side. And then like what Jenna said, like, I see your pain. Um, and I have been the Facebook warrior on behind the sure. keyboard that has not been very pleasant to people. And I've, I've apologized for that as much as I possibly can. There are moments where I'll see something where I think, oh, I, I need to get my two cents in. Um, but then I think of what has happened with Jenna and I, and there's mm-hmm. other donor conceived and RP people on their Instagrams that are starting to see that we can have conversations that are genuine and vulnerable and that it, it's safe to do that. Um, right. That's been amazing. And that's why I'm saying like, we're starting a revolution. Oh my gosh, two women can actually talk to each other. <laughs> like, yeah, right. From opposite ends of the spectrum where you'd think that, right. And for the most part, and, and I had no idea there was such a divide. <laughs> like I really didn't. I was so naive, but yeah, like people who have been, you know, quote unquote enemies for mm-hmm. decades. And I think that all, that's kind of also what, what worked for us is that I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. the word enemies really. <laughs> No, like, oh, no, but there are some RPs that are starting, like, I mean, Jen and I have gotten over like hundreds of messages by in the last three weeks from RPs and DCPs that have said, oh my gosh, I, I never thought of it this way. I never thought that I had to see it from the RP side or the DCP side. I'm going to raise my children differently, or I'm going to treat my mom who raised me differently now. That's been the most powerful thing I think that's come out of this is that people are seeing the value in mm-hmm. putting your sword down. And I'm going to link up, if it's okay with you guys, the IG video that you did so people can have reference. Um, A, it's incredibly educational because like I said, I learned a ton from the both of you. I had no idea about the conflict there. And um, the, the thing that you guys are bringing to, to the surface in and of itself is phenomenal. But then too, with that, there's such a learning opportunity for us as community leaders to see two people navigate a difficult conversation. And I think a lot of times when we think of vulnerable and a healthy conversation. We're thinking that we're just saying kind and nice things. Kind is the wrong word. We're saying just easy to hear things throughout the conversation. And what I appreciated about witnessing what you two did is you both said some things that could have the other person I could see would be like their guard would go up. Y'all said hard things to each other and still did it in a uh, constructive way. And, And the interesting paradox of that is you can be passionate and share how you feel, but how do we do that in a way to your point, Jenna, earlier that people can hear us? Yeah. I mean, they say that, you know, the naysayers are the loudest, right? But there are things that we can still learn from it. And there are, there's always two sides to every, to every story, right? Like there are issues that I am wildly passionate about politically and women's rights and all of that. Um, some of those, I don't think there's another side, but, um, you know, to, to be fair, um, if people are 
if people are coming at you in a way that is saying like, there's another side here, there's another side here there. I think that right there is, is your sign to just take a step back for a minute and say, I don't need to change my position. I can still hold this belief, but, but let me see it from this Mm. point of view for a minute. Let me put myself in their shoes. And I think that even with things that are happening politically, you can you can still do that. Let me put myself in their shoes to mm. see maybe they were raised differently. Mm. Maybe they were you know brought up in some religious institution. Maybe they were whatever. But I think that it's when people are coming at you, and that's kind of how it was to me. I was like, oh my god, like left and right, left and right. I was like, wait. So clearly, there's another side here yeah. that I need to listen to, and it might be hard to hear, and I may disagree with it at the end, and that's fine. But I need to put my ego down for a second. Yeah. And listen. Yeah. And just listen. And again, maybe you won't change your mind. And that's yeah. okay. But if that many people are saying to you, mm-mm, mm-mm, then you're either not getting your point across effectively, clearly. Maybe there's you maybe you need to shift your messaging a little bit, not your belief, your messaging. Or maybe you're just flat out wrong. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, yeah. Um well said. Words, words matter. The way in which things are expressed matter. Amen. We've been forced into this sort of like stillness. Um, Well, I'll speak for myself. It seems as though the people that I'm surrounding myself with have learned stillness through the pandemic because, I mean, we were all forced into it, right? We were forced back into our homes, back into our families. Um, We didn't have the very beginnings of the pandemic. Think of the things that were taken away from you that you used as coping mechanisms, like the gyms were closed, Target was closed. There was a lot of things. That's my, that's how I escape life target. Um, but there were things that we didn't have. Right. So we had to sort of go inward. And so I think what I've taken from that is this taking a step back and listening and, and harnessing sort of that stillness to just listen, just listen to what Jenna has to say. Like, and I'm on now my Facebook page is like, Hey guys, I know I've been like the fighter with you all, but hang on a second because just take a step back and listen Yeah, because the things that Jenna is saying and watching her go through this process of saying, not that she was wrong because her pain is valid. The things yes. that she felt was absolutely valid and not wrong. She was, she's not a terrible mom that was trying to screw her kid up. Right. None of it was wrong. Um, she was doing everything out of love and that's something right. that a lot of VCP are learning now, but that it was valid and that for her to be able to just stop and listen and stay within the stillness, because sometimes you got to get into the yuck and muck of it. You get into the stillness of it and just wrestle with it or like it within yourself before you can yeah. really be informed and make an informed decision. Right. So now Jenna's able to yeah. make an informed decision with, with her family. Um, and I'm able to make an informed decision when I relate to my mom. Cause just the other day, you know, I said to her, how did you not wonder about my biological father? How did you not look at me, see that I don't look like my dad that I was raised by and think, hmm, I wonder who the other guy is. And she's like, we just didn't. And I'm learning now that I don't have to get mad at her for that. <laughs> I don't have to say like, did, did ethics exist then? Cause that was usually my, my comeback yeah. to her. Right. Yeah. But now I'm learning through Jenna that like, she just loved me there. It, it, it was just the stuff that she, the information that she had in the seventies and eighties at the time. Right. Yeah. And now Jen is able to see that there's an, another side to it and watching her grow through this is, is incredible. And it's not just me watching it. Like 
everyone's watching this. And I think that's why when we did that interview, I think there's over like 7,500 views now and we're getting hundreds of messages and it's starting to change some things as people able to see taking a step back and listening. And an interesting piece to that is like whenever we see leaders openly learn and like share what you guys have shared vulnerably, we feel like a lot of people feel like, you know, oh, it's going to make people respect me less, you know, because I'm being vulnerable and I'm showing that I'm learning and I admit I made a mistake and all this. But really, it has like, in my experience, the opposite effect where you're like, they're such a badass. Like, look at that vulnerability. Look how real they are. It humanizes the leader. And so that's encouraging to me. And I know it will be for our listeners to hear that, you know, you guys have powerful missions and yet, you know, you can still say that I'm learning too and I make mistakes and so forth. Leading communities, this has come up quite a bit for for our community. Um, there's a pressure sometimes to feel like we know all the answers. And I know right now you guys are navigating some waters where you're like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here sometimes or the best way to deal with it. So how do you guys navigate leading a community with a bunch of questions that you may not have the answers to? I can, it's so interesting. You know, I was running my entire business from the viewpoint of a recipient parent, because that's my experience. Hmm. And I've now realized that I've left out a big piece. And so I've been bringing onto my page and, um, you know, I'm going to be, I'm launching a course later this year and bringing into my course, DCP voices and people from that side. And then also bringing on a therapist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> who specializes in fertility to really help us navigate um, those hard conversations because this is a lot. It's it's hard. It's really hard. And um, knowing that my children and the, and the children of donor conceived that are donor conceived very likely are going to experience some very hard times of questioning who they are. And where they came from. And so it's on me to really do the work to be as strong as I can in, in who I am and who our family is to hold that space for my kids yeah. um, and try to find the answers for them. It's been a very public, uninten- unintentionally public display of um, a very vulnerable and intense journey. <laughs> how, do you, how do you take care of yourself during that? Just like your own mental health? Yeah. Well, my wife is like a therapist based. She's not a therapist, but she like basically is Um, very good listener. Um, Lindsay has become part of my therapy too. Like we literally voice message and talk every single day about different <laughs> wow. things that were wow. every day. I, I wake up really early in the morning every day and have me time. And that's like my personal development time, my journaling time. I'm speaking with a therapist and just kind of navigating different things. And then um, I actually am a part of a, a group of like my children's siblings. So we've connected with uh, some of my kids' siblings and I've been navigating some of this with some of the other moms. It's all moms, actually. They're na- it's either lesbians or single moms by choice. So it's interesting. And um, with some of them, I've been navigating everything that I've been learning. And um, yeah. two of them are actually very open to to learning more and hearing more and, and navigating this journey. So it's nice because they're like my kids' family. Lindsay, how are you taking care of yourself? Because you've been uh, learning a lot about yourself and your life and meeting your siblings. And I mean, it's insane, like what you've walked through over the past, I believe it's been a year. Forgive me if I'm off on that. Yeah, I think um, I'm coming and, up on 17 months. Of yeah. Everything. And then now, yeah. you know, stepping kind of into the pu- 
more publicly talking about it and stuff. How are you taking care of yourself? Um, I think therapy, and I think it's okay to admit that you, that you use, have a therapist or you talk to a therapist needs to be normalized. Um, I have an amazing group of siblings. Um, I hit the jackpot with my siblings and we all feel very differently about being donor conceived, which is great. Cause I can also check in on them. Right. And, and I'm, and I'm not the only donor conceived person in the world who has a voice. So I will, I will tend to call the ones that feel the same way I do when I'm processing something, but then I do always call my one sister cause she is very real with me and says like, let's bring you back down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like Jenna said, we're, we're, we're constantly, we're just kind of going through this together because I mean, it's not all on Jenna, right? This isn't all on RPs to change or learn. It's on DCP too. Um, I think to lighten the way that we're talking, if, if we're on these Facebook pages or we're advocating and saying we want to change, but then we're just like yelling at people to change, or we're just shoving our ideas down their throats and saying, you have to listen. I've got nothing to learn from you. How is anyone ever going to be open to changing this industry? We'll stay flat. Um, so it's been super helpful to be able to process something with her in a way that feels safe. Right. We've also, we've, we are, are, we're going to be talking to a therapist. Jenna is going to do a live in a few days and just that her name is Jana. She's been incredible too, to sort of process this with as well. And my hubby is great. He's sort of like, meh, whatever. He's sort of laid back, but he lets me just like (laughs) vent, which is very good. There you go. Well, I appreciate y'all sharing that because I think the misconception is when we see really strong leaders out in the world doing some really awesome things like, oh, it must be nice to be so confident and have it all together and all this stuff. And knowing that you guys are proactive and take care of your mental health and taking care of yourself emotionally, it's so important for other leaders to hear. So thank you for that. Uh, One final question left. We're right at time. But before then, where can people connect with you online? I'll let Jenna go first and stalk you. I always say stalk you because I'll do that. (laughs) Please stalk away. I um, I have I run two different Instagram accounts. One is my personal account, which is just at Jenna Jaffe, so my name. The other one is my organization, which is called Connecting Rainbows. So it's connectingrainbows.org. And then um, same.com. So jennajaffe.com, connectingrainbows.org is where we run. I run the um, legal and fertility resources for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and I'm on Instagram um, and Facebook, but mostly Instagram. And it's just Lindsay Elise Blunt. That's where you can find me. That's my handle. Wonderful. All that we linked to the show notes. Very last question. Like I alluded to a million times, all the leaders listening who are navigating their own difficult conversations and deep down, they truly just want to see change. If there's one tangible action item that you could just emphasize and highlight and underline that you both have learned through this process, what is that one action item? Jenna, I'll let you go first. Take a step back and listen before you respond to something. Perfect. Lindsay. Just be open. Just be open to new ways of thinking. Hey, y'all, before we go, if you are not following me yet on TikTok, what you doing? My username is at Heather Parody. That is P-A-R-A-D-Y. I would love to connect with you over there if you are doing the TikTok thing. Again, that is at 